what he envisioned back in 1952 has actually occurred and occurred to, uh, I think, a, a, a larger level than he could ever imagine. This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and this is the third in our three-part series celebrating the 30th anniversary of the James Cancer Hospital. Since 1990 and the opening of the James, there have been five leaders of the James and the Comprehensive Cancer Center. These five are Dave Schuler, Clara Bloomfield, Mike Caligiri, Bill Farr, and Rafe Pollack. In part one of the series, we talked with Dave Schuler. In part two, our guest was Mike Caligiri, who told us all about the amazing impact of Clara Bloomfield, who passed away in March. In this episode, we're going to talk with the two current leaders, Bill Farr, the CEO of the James, and Rafe Pollack, the director of the Comprehensive Cancer Center. We're going to start with Bill Farr, who first came to Ohio State in 1975, long before there was a James. But even back then, Arthur James, one of the top cancer docs in the Midwest, had a dream of building a state-of-the-art cancer hospital. Bill will fill us in on Dr. James, who was his mentor. But first, let's start with a great story from Bill about how, if everything had gone according to plan, we would have celebrated the 30th anniversary of the opening of the James last year. It was scheduled to open in 1989, but about six or eight months before it opened, there happened to be a uh, cold day in December where a window was left open on the top floor uh, and a pipe, a very large pipe, froze and broke. Uh, and it was discovered uh, by a patient in the middle of the night uh, from water coming under the door into the uh, the construction of the James. In, in which building was this? Uh, oh, this the, is the, the new James, James that yes. was scheduled to open yes. in 1989. This yeah. is where this flood took place. Exactly. So the flood waters came went from the 13th floor all the way down to the basement. Oh my goodness. Uh, so and, and it, uh, it uh, took a long time to clean up uh, the water and the damage that it did. Uh, so that uh, it's too bad that happened because Dr. James uh, retired in 1989 and would have been, uh, I think, uh, very nice for him to like do the first operation in, in the cancer hospital. But he did uh, um, uh, take the first patient into the cancer hospital in a wheelchair. So he took them from where to where? Their bed in Doan Hall. Okay. And took them down the hallway and moved them into the new bed in the James. Did they build that new that new wing that, for the James Cancer Hospital, or was that an existing building that they converted? No, 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 no. The entire cancer hospital was attached to the east wing of Doan Hall, but the entire cancer hospital was a new building. Okay, that, and that's where the pipe burst and yes. and all that chaos exactly, ensued. Exactly, exactly. So you said he, well, t before I get to that first day of it opening, you said he, it would have been nice for him to have done the first surgery. Do you know who did do the first surgery? There? Actually, Dr. John Mitten uh, was uh, um, a surgical oncologist uh, that, uh, uh, was able to do the uh, uh, the first operation. Do you know what kind of cancer that was? Or I do not. Okay, I, I did not. Because <laughs> back then remember. you didn't specialize as much, right? So he it could have been That's a variety. Correct. We all did uh, sort of all types of cancers at that time. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So 
if let's let's test your memory here. Describe that first day of when it opened, of moving patients, of moving in, of seeing patients. What do you remember specifically? From well, that day? it was a, it was a very exciting day. I mean, uh, we all still had our, our our daily activities to do, but the excitement uh, around uh, um, the the nurses and the doctors. Uh, it was really a, a beautiful building, and uh, uh, the goals uh, and all. All of us that had taken part uh, in in putting this hospital together, uh, uh, working on the the blueprints, working on uh, uh, what uh, what goes where. Uh, so we all had input on on the uh, the design and and, uh, and the construction of the hospital. So we all sort of all of us that were in cancer, and back then there weren't that many, uh, but uh, we all sort of felt like uh, we had been uh, had the opportunity to take part in. Uh, uh, in a uh, life-changing uh, event for not only us, but uh, definitely our patients. What was it like in the sense of how many surgical suites there were or patient rooms? I just want to get a sense of the size and scale of it. Well, the uh, we had 140 patient rooms in the new building. Single uh, single patient rooms? Single patient rooms, uh, although uh, each floor had two double rooms at the uh, sort of the end of the uh, uh, of the of the floor, um, and we had six operating rooms. Uh, one operating room had intraoperative radiation, uh, which was uh, very progressive at that time to be able to offer that to uh, to certain patients. Interoperative means in during the the surgery. The uh, the uh, yes, the uh, uh, X ray uh, machine was actually in the operating room. Uh, and so uh, uh, that gave us uh, the opportunity to, to, while patients were asleep halfway through an operation, to, to radiate certain areas uh, that we were operating on to, uh, uh, to give them better outcomes. At the time, in 1990, it sounds like this was a pretty progressive, advanced cancer hospital. Well, it was. We, uh, you know, we took all of our uh, combined knowledge to uh, to really uh, uh, look around the country and uh, and really design and put together what we thought was a uh, a world class hospital uh, to uh, to really do what other cancer hospitals such as Memorial, MD Anderson, were able to provide their patients. Uh, that was Dr. James's vision to. Uh, to uh, uh, provide uh, the patients in Ohio and uh, surrounding states uh, the opportunity to experience the the top flight uh, treatment uh, that uh, people were getting at the other cancer centers. Yeah, talk a little more about Dr. James's vision. And I know I remember you telling me before that he had been dreaming of this for a while, and that there had been a couple of false starts and and that just didn't quite work. So, how far back did this vision go, and what were the steps that finally made it possible. Well, he finished his, his surgical training. He was in World War II, and he came back and finished up his fellowship at Memorial Sloan Kettering uh, in 1948. Uh, and at that time, came back to, uh, to Columbus. To, he, he, he grew up in uh, southeastern Ohio. Uh, and so he came back to, uh, to practice uh, uh, at, at Ohio State. Uh, soon after he got back, uh, about around 1950, uh, he really saw that uh, the the treatment that patients were getting uh, in at Memorial uh, was completely different than what we were able to offer cancer patients in Central Ohio. 
So he really uh, went on a, a, a drive to, to, uh, to build a cancer hospital uh, in, uh, in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and actually, uh, there was an article in the Dispatch um, in 1960 uh, titled Cancer Hospital to be Built in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it didn't get passed uh, by the state legislature at that time, but that didn't stop Dr. James from putting together a foundation uh, that included uh, all the wheelers and dealers in town from Dave Thomas to uh, uh, Dick Soloff and, and many more uh, to really work on this concept. Uh, and it basically took him 30 uh, years to get that job done. The official name of the hospital is the James Cancer Hospital and Solov Research Institute. So, Bill, tell us a little bit about Richard Solov. Dick Soloff was uh, another uh, um, real estate person in town who, uh, who became very close friends with Dr. James. Uh, actually, they first met in 1952 uh, when Dr. James took care of uh, Dick's father who had uh, thyroid cancer. And they became very close friends after that. And, uh, and, and Mr. Soloff uh, uh, really bought into Dr. James' vision uh, of a cancer center and uh, uh, actually uh, made a, a very large donation uh, um, uh, soon after the cancer hospital opened of, uh, of, I believe it was around $20 million at the time. Uh, and and uh, that's why it's called the Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Richard J. Soloff Research. Institute. Uh, so he did make a, a, a donation, but I believe it, uh, the hospital was already opened at that time, but it really uh, helped uh, uh, with uh, funding a uh, uh, number of uh, major research projects. Dr. James was Bill's mentor and eventually his surgical partner. I asked Bill to describe this visionary cancer doctor. Well, Dr. James, I got to know him obviously very well, and uh, he uh, uh, came across as a, a very quiet person. Uh, he wasn't as quiet as a lot of people thought, <laughs> uh, but uh, he uh, was very compassionate. Uh, he, uh, um, um, he, he really uh, uh, took great care of his patients and uh, um, uh, really uh, uh, had a, a great devotion to, to helping them through their journey with cancer. Uh, and uh, was very very successful uh, in that regards. What was his bedside manner like with patients? Oh, it was very very calming, uh, and uh, um, uh, really could could talk them through uh, issues that they were having. Uh, and uh, uh, he was just a very uh, um, warm and uh, compassionate person. What did you learn from him? Uh, just that, uh, that uh, patient care, uh, uh, yes, uh, anyone, uh, you know, good enough can, can do an operation, but uh, how to get the patient through uh, their journey with cancer, uh, I think it's just as important to, uh, uh, to deal with their emotions and uh, help them uh, uh, get through their cancer, not just uh, by the procedure or operation or drugs that you can use, uh, but to really deal with the, their uh, um, uh, problems and concerns that they have uh, to, to get through their cancer care. 
Bill, what do you think Dr. James would think of the new James Cancer Hospital that opened in 2014? Well, I think his reaction would be uh, just uh, amazing to think of the progress that we made at the uh, Ohio State University and commitment to uh, to make a difference in cancer, uh, not only in Columbus, but the state and surrounding uh, states. Uh, so, I mean, this was his dream to, to uh, have a cancer uh, hospital uh, just as good as Memorial, just as good as MD Anderson and other cancer centers around the country to really make an impact on cancer care uh, in, the, in the Midwest. Uh, and uh, uh, the first hospital was able to do that to some extent. Uh, but when the second hospital opened in uh, uh, 2014 and what's, uh, what's we've been able to accomplish that we've already talked about today, uh, I think would really make him proud to know that, that what he envisioned back in 1952 has actually occurred and occurred to, uh, I think, a, a, a larger level than he could ever imagine. The opening of the Stephanie Spielman Comprehensive Breast Center in 2011 was another huge step forward. Walk us through the history of how this came about. Well, once the cancer hospital opened in 1990 uh, is when we really uh, pushed for subspecialization. Uh, and what I mean by that, up till that point in time, most of us in surgical oncology, for instance, uh, operated on, on all different types of cancer. So you were uh, one of these people who, could, from head to toe, any type of cancer, you w w could do yes. the surgery. Yes. I mean, okay. one day I might um, do a, take out a stomach, take out a colon, and take out a thyroid and do a breast biopsy. So, um, and I was no different than most of our surgical oncologists. The medical oncologists did the same thing. Uh, they may treat a, a breast cancer, a colon cancer, and a lung cancer the same day. Uh, and once we opened up the cancer hospital, that gave us the opportunity to recruit and become more specialized in one or two areas, uh, which led us to develop what we call multidisciplinary clinics uh, where, uh, and I think breast was probably the first one that we developed in 1992, and that's where you have surgeons that operate on breast cancer, medical oncologists that treat breast cancer, radiation oncologists, plastic surgeons. We all meet together at one time in the clinic. And that was our first breast clinic. It was on the bottom floor of the, or the first floor of the, uh, um, the, the old, what we call the old James. Uh, and from there, um, six years later, uh, we opened up a breast center at Stone Ridge, which again had many components of breast cancer treatment, but not all. Uh, we quickly outgrew that and moved to our present uh, home on Olentangy River Road uh, and moved into what was eventually named the Stephanie Spielman uh, Breast Center, uh, where we had um, basically all aspects of treatment from uh, surgical care to uh, chemotherapy to radiation to plastic surgery to clinical trials to um, in anything that the breast cancer patient needed. Uh, we did the major operation still back at the James, but everything else um, and, and still is today at the, at the Spielman Breast Center. What was the date that it opened? 
It opened uh, in January of 2011. So this is, to you, this is the equivalent of Dr. James walking into the James for the first time. What was that like for you the day it opened? The well, it was opened? a much lower scale, but uh, but still Not, it was... No, uh, it, no, the Spielman is probably bigger <laughs> than what the James was in 1990, wasn't well, it? Well, not quite. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it was very exciting because uh, it was... Uh, uh, a, a, a program that I'd worked on uh, since our first multidisciplinary clinic in 1992, and and to uh, and, and we had the opportunity to uh, to design and uh, uh, and 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 really uh, uh, put the multidisciplinary part of the uh, of the clinic uh, in place. Um, and it was it, it was exciting to see uh, a patient be able to come to one clinic visit and uh, see a surgeon, see a medical oncologist, see a radiation oncologist, see a plastic surgeon, and leave that day with their plan of care. Um, it it, it uh, I think uh, and and today it's uh, it's functioning very well. We're starting to run out of space, uh, but uh, I think that type of care, which we've which we've which we now have in, in many of the different uh, cancer types, it's not, it's not breast, uh, but we were fortunate enough to get our, our, uh, our foot in the door first and have a separate building. Uh, but uh, it's been very successful uh, for our patient care. Was it an emotional day for you? It was. It, it was because it, uh, 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 they had a big uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony and, and, uh, and uh, different uh, discussions uh, uh, right out front. Uh, and uh, uh, it it uh, it was exciting and uh, uh, a day that uh, um, uh, I think for many of us was uh, uh, a dream come true. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk with Rafe Pollock, the director of the Comprehensive Cancer Center. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back, and our next guest is Rafe Pollock. Rafe was one of the world's leading sarcoma experts and surgeons and was recruited here by his friends Mike Caligiri and Bill Farr. Rafe was diagnosed with chronic lymphocytic leukemia a few years ago. I've had the opportunity to get to know Rafe fairly well, and he's a very determined and inspiring leader. I came up at the very end of August uh, 2013, uh, and my initial appointment was as head of the Division of Surgical Oncology and also Surgeon-in-Chief for the James Cancer Hospital, uh, with an understanding that I would be participating in the sarcoma clinical care and research program, given that that's what I had been doing uh, in my previous employment at uh, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. So you came from what's generally regarded as one of the top two or three cancer centers in, in the country. Yeah. Why come, why leave? Why come here? Well, I had served as uh, chair of the Department of Surgery there for 17 years, uh, which was a long period of time. Uh, and 
I was interested in some new challenges. Uh, and so as I thought about the possibilities, uh, a number of people suggested that if Ohio State uh, was a a consideration that I should look very long and hard because Ohio State was uh, an institution that had ample resources uh, and was poised to break out of the pack and move forward uh, in uh, a rapid uh, growth phase where if I came, I might be able to participate in a leadership role almost from the get-go. And so I had been here several times as a visiting professor Uh, Bill Farr, my predecessor as head of the Division of Surgical Oncology, was a good professional friend and invited me up a number of times for visits. So I was aware uh, of the institution and its interest in cancer, uh, and it was a a great fit uh, for me to be able to to come here, and I'm I'm just very honored that uh, I was selected for this role. So in August of 2013, where sort of was the cancer center in terms of just nationally or in the the quantity and quality of research? Well, it it already uh, enjoyed a very strong uh, national uh, profile and visibility, initially under the leadership of Dr. Clara Bloomfield and then subsequently under the leadership of my friend Michael Caligiuri. Uh, So uh, it was clearly tracking uh, in a very positive direction. Uh, We've talked elsewhere about the Cancer Center Corps Grant, uh, and uh, there was a steady improvement in the overall scores that that uh, grant process had been achieved here at Ohio State. Uh, So it was clearly a, a center on the march in a positive direction. And Uh, That was also very exciting to be able to be part of that. I think it's a fair statement to make that the the liquid tumors, uh, leukemias, uh, lymphomas, myelomas, uh, enjoy a national and international reputation, uh, whereas the solid tumor uh, programs, although very, very solid and very, very effective, at that point in time probably were not as visible on the national scene. Uh, and so that represented to me a very positive challenge. Could I help contribute and, and bring these programs to a higher level of, of excellence and visibility? Have you? I think so, yeah. Uh, I mean, we have a... a ever-increasing patient volume. Uh, the, the new James opened in 2015, and uh, that has been uh, essentially 95% occupied within 30 minutes of it having uh, been opened. Uh, there's a tremendous pent-up demand. The percentage of patients from outside of Columbus and outside of Ohio continues uh, to increase. So all of these speak to uh, the reputation that the center enjoys, which is one of positive uh, trajectory. How big an impact was the opening of the new cancer hospital in bringing you here and bringing other people here and expanding the reputation and quality of care? Well, the James Cancer Hospital is the largest cancer hospital that is part of an academic medical center in the United States, and it's the third largest cancer hospital overall. So uh, at that point, uh, it was uh, 
definitely uh, a, a very positive uh, force of attraction uh, to me. Uh, but I was also very interested in being in an environment, um, having having spent 31 years at, at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is what we call a freestanding cancer center, although owned by the University of Texas, it exists uh, as an entity unto itself. Uh, and I was interested in, in seeing what it was like to be in a matrix cancer center, which is a cancer center that's embedded within the fabric of a university, uh, because I was at a point where I wanted to broaden my horizons. Uh, and so this uh, definitely spoke to me in that regard. Rafe didn't want to end before he had a chance to talk about his friend and colleague, Clara Bloomfield. Clara uh, had a tremendous vision uh, and drive to help move the cancer center from a relatively small component of the medical center into a very large dominant force that would be visualizable on the national level for excellence in research and patient care. And she worked closely with Dr. Schuler uh, to help uh, build this remarkable research and clinical care engine, uh, bringing the pieces together, uh, creating the connectivity with the Columbus community for philanthropic purposes, writ large, connections within the university as a whole. Uh, and so in, we, we definitely owe uh, Claire, uh, as well as Mike Caligiuri, a very strong debt of gratitude uh, for, for what they were able to create um, over a 20, 25 year period of time. I think we owe a debt of gratitude to everyone at the James and Comprehensive Cancer Center for 30 amazing years and for creating such a fascinating and important history and such a bright future for the James and the Comprehensive Cancer Center and for creating hope for cancer patients. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.